Some of you may recognize that picture that was taken a few years back, I believe, and uh, this one is our most recent one. Good morning, church, family, and welcome. It's so nice to see your faces this morning, even though there's fewer here in this second service. <clears throat> I sure don't like the empty spaces, for sure, but uh, this is what we have to do. My name is John Ritchie, and I'm a member here at this church and also serve on the site leadership team. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, that's for <clears throat> And of course, you know, Jason's on holidays with his family, and I'm filling in today. We are continuing on in this series uh, for restoration, and we are zeroing in on Luke chapter 5, and my specific talk is about Levi, the tax collector, the next person that Luke addresses in his chapter. When asked to speak here today, ask Jason. What should I talk about? And he told me I should speak about, I could speak about the next person in the series or anything that the Lord has put on my heart. Well, I've decided to do both. Have you ever thought about uh, what you or the average BCer pays in taxes in any given year? How do you think it compares between us today? and the tax collections in Jesus' day. Would their dollar equipment stretch uh, <clears throat> a lot further than ours does today? We do support a lot of government with our taxes. I'm sorry about the slide. It, I didn't realize it was going to be so blurry here in the church. We have, we have a tax on our income from the federal and provincial governments. And as if that wasn't enough, they turn around and tax us on just about everything we buy. Sales tax here, sales tax there. At the local level, we pay, we pay property taxes. And if you really look at it, there are many other areas that we are levied on that go to different governments as more taxes. Let's face it, we are very heavily taxed in this country. But doesn't it make you even a little bit angry in all the ways we are taxed and how it comes out of our meager income? Well, during the time of Jesus' earthly visit, it was no different, albeit the amounts were probably not the same as us today, but proportion-wise with their expenses and their income. It could be comparable, or it might even be worse. But their funds were going to a government that oppressed the Jewish people, the Jewish race, and needed, and they used the funds for the Roman Empire, and not back into the Jewish peoples and their communities. Today, I will be continuing on with Jason's series on restoration, specifically. Luke 5, verses 27 to 32, the story of Levi the tax collector, or as some may know him as Matthew. Let's ask God in prayer to bless this time. Dear Heavenly Father, allow us your grace so we may hear what you want us to hear from this text from Luke 
and open our hearts to what you want us to learn today. In Jesus' name we pray. So as stated, this passage is Luke 5, verses 27 to 32. You can open your Bibles to that uh, section or follow me on the screen, whatever you wish. This section is, this section in Luke is fairly short, so I'll read through the passages uh, and so that we can uh, glean from what is in it. After these things, he went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax office. And he said to him, follow me. So he left all, rose up and followed him. Then Levi gave him a great feast in his own house. And there were a great number of tax collectors and others who sat down with them. And their scribes and their Pharisees complained against his disciples, saying, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered and said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. I know that sounds a little dry. The children's message was more colorful. Okay, if you were just reading these verses, you may have wondered about the context of what was happening. After these things, he went out. This implies there were some other things happening at the time. These things were what Jason covered in the past two weekends, where Jesus healed a leopard and a paralytic. For the story of, on the paralytic, there were a number of people present, including Pharisees from all over the nation. This was truly a miracle of restoration. But the forgiveness of the man's sins by Jesus was a stumbling block for the leaders of the Jewish faith. Who but God can forgive sin? But the text does tell us that all were amazed at what they had just witnessed and glorified God. So right after these events, Jesus and his disciples more than likely came out from where they had been, where they had just witnessed the healing of the paralytic and encountered Levi at the tax office. I found that very strange. On the, on the surface, it seems kind of weird by today's standards. <clears throat> it is not that often that I would find myself going to the tax office unless there was going to be an audit against involving me or I needed some form from the tax office I couldn't get online. But in Jesus' day, they probably had this type of office outside in tents or an open home, probably under a tent, to protect from the elements. From other texts, I've heard that the Jewish people really hated the tax collectors. More often than not, these people were, in fact, Jews themselves, and that they profited some greatly from their fellow Jews by skimming off the taxes for themselves. It is no wonder that they tended to lump tax collectors and sinners in the same boat. And by the Pharisee standards, the lowest of all people. Well, maybe not 
as low as the leper, as we found out two Sundays ago, the leper was considered so unclean because of their illness that they were complete outcasts from society. And yet, here at the beginning of Luke 5, Jesus is in the process of recruiting his disciples. He has called Simon, James, and John to follow him, and now he's asking Levi, or some of you may know him as Matthew, to follow him as well. I found it a little confusing why my Bible app showed the verse the verses in this section referring to the tax collector as Levi, and yet the title of the section referred to him as Matthew. While I read it and studied it, I figured that Jesus just changed his name as time went on to the state in a similar manner as he did for Simon by calling him Peter. However, back to the text. Jesus is taking the time to show all that he is willing to restore people. Of all walks of life, back to God. He is starting off with those who are viewed as low on the pecking order, marginal. At first, I wondered about how Levi got up and left everything behind. He had a great responsibility to protect the funds that were, had been collected for the Romans. But he just left it all to go follow this guy called Jesus. But then I realized that he was not the only tax collector and proceeds would have been protected regardless of his actions. There would have been confusion because of his actions, but things would have been worked out by the other tax collectors. In verse 29, we hear of many tax collectors joining them for the meal in Levi's home. I'm way behind here. The scribes and Pharisees didn't confront Jesus directly, but grumbled about why he would eat with tax collectors and sinners. But Jesus always knew what was in their hearts and still confronted them with his response. He did, not, he did not come to fix those who were sick, but to save those who were lost. But the Pharisees didn't realize that they too were lost, for they thought themselves righteous when their hearts were not pure. Matthew slash Levi, and joined the tribe of disciples that were following Jesus that day. And today, we all benefit from his writings in the Gospel of Matthew. Praise God for his continued word to us all. I find myself marveling at how Jesus showed no discrimination towards Levi, and how he treated all equally despite the fact that a large number of people hated the tax collectors. I did a search on the Bible app on my computer and phone for the word hate and how he treated all equally. And I was astonished to see the word appear in a number of times throughout the whole Bible. And then I zeroed in on a couple of verses from Matthew from his Gospel 
where he used the word in the Bible. Matthew 5:44. But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. And the second verse that jumped out to me was Matthew 24:10. And then many will be offended, will betray one another, and will hate one another. The first verse, 544, shows us how Jesus wants us to respond to those around us, specifically those we see as our enemies and have hatred for us. This is who we are in our new creation. And we need to remember that fact, especially today. God shows us how to love even those who harm us, who want to do harm to us. And here it is written in Matthew, one of the fellows that was hated by his fellow Jews for bending to the Romans, and not to mention the fact that he got rich on their backs. But I am troubled today with what I'm hearing in the news that comes into my home. I'm drawn to the verses surrounding Matthew 24.10, where Jesus is talking about the end of the age or end times. The signs to look for in that time frame. Can that time frame be now? A lot of these signs appear to be coming true right now. When I listen to the news about the visiveness especially here in North America. I see so much hatred between our citizens and towards those who rule that it shocks me. And the worst thing that comes to my mind, I see it amongst the believers. Please, this is not who we are. What come to me as that I've heard it in a number of times throughout the church in this, even in this time, this verse comes to my mind. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. This is who we are. Most of us would agree that the signs talked about in the Bible for end times are coming true as the clock ticks on. Are we now seeing this part of Jesus' words expressed in Matthew 24 with brother hating brother? Even if we're not getting close to the end, we must remember who we are. It is no longer us who live, but Jesus living through us. And our actions should not be one of hatred to anyone, but one of love to all. We need to pray for God's will to be done in Canada, in the United States, and around the world. We need to pray that God's virtue remains in the heart of every nation that was founded on his word. And that God's hand be on all who lead these nations. With so much fake news floating around today, we need to draw to the only true news that is expressed that is expressed in the gospel to guide our lives. These stories of restoration that we're studying now 
have brought us to a point where we too have been restored. As believers in Jesus Christ, we too have passed the point where Jesus has restored us to the Father. So now is the time to remember who we are and to apply his great love to all, to be an example to all who see us. So they too will marvel at how Jesus is presented through us and desire to change their lives. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, at times we forget who we are, that we belong to you and this is in our home, that we are here as representatives of you, and we proceed this day and for all remaining days known, knowing that you are, we are not ashamed of the gospel, your great news. Apply all you have taught us. Father, we pray for the situation on earth today and that your will will be done for all your people. And we ask for guidance and help to focus our attention on loving all people as your son has taught us to do in his earthly visit so many years ago and as he does today through his spirit within us. Forgive us when we, do not, when we don't engage with you first and jump to conclusions and act without your great love foremost in our hearts. Help us to apply your grace in our daily walks. In your precious name we pray. Amen.